on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 37th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Alien Disclosure Episode. As always, we are your hosts, Julian Field and Travis View. This week, we are unexplaining every flying object in the goddamn sky. We're going to provide total closure about Alien Disclosure. Travis, uh, dubious at first that the topic could make for a good episode, soon discovered in his research that the personalities involved in ufology are simply magnetic. Exquisite. And as such, you'll be doing a deep dive about alien disclosure. Uh, we'll then transition into an interview with weird Twitter personality and UFO-curious visual artist Bakun, a.k.a. Oliver Leach. Apparently, he has quite a few run-ins with ufologists, including Jim Mars. Unfortunately, Jake is not with us this week, but he wants to reassure you that he's fine. He just happens to be Jewish and honoring the renewal of the sun by overeating with family. Much like a terrible dog owner, he is now feeding you directly from the dinner table by throwing a scrap into your barking maws. The story of Phil Schneider's violent altercation with aliens. Mm. Uh, also, quick note before we go into QAnon news. Uh, yesterday was 420, and here in California, we celebrate that by abusing uh, the right to smoke legal marijuana. And it, um, it turns out both Julian and uh oliver <laughs> uh got fucked you know they were their real selves <laughs> yesterday and so some of it's a little spaced out you know even for us you know and we can be a little spacey but we hope you enjoy it nonetheless and uh you know if it's not interesting to you then maybe you should be using drugs too okay <laughs> right. that's right especially if you're okay. under 18 no you no, no, using, no that's no right advocating for crimes Legalize on the podcast drugs legalize all all of them legalize (laughs) fent before all that qanon news so i just have one story and it's about how uh how qanon reacted to the public release of the redacted Mueller report and uh, this is interesting because one would suspect if you want to assume that the qanon community was acting rationally that they would be very troubled by Mueller report's findings you know it contradicts many already debunked conspiracy theories that Q and large segments of the QAnon community promoted. For example, Q references Seth Rich in over a dozen Q drops. Uh, The Mueller report contradicts the already debunked Seth Rich conspiracy theory directly. In reference to statements made by Julian Assange in WikiLeaks, the report says, quote, the statements about Rich implied falsely that he had been the source of the stolen DNC emails. I love that we're doing this without Jake because it's going to wreck him. Like, yeah. this is one of the central things where he was like, no, this is going to be true. Yeah. yeah he definitely, until until this, and I'm not sure, we're going to have to discuss it with him when he comes back on the show. But, uh, man, I don't yeah. think he enjoyed this one. I saw you retweet it, and I, I thought it was a bit of a, an aggressive move. <laughs> <laughs> if we lived in a fair and just world, you know, this would be the file na- nail in the coffin of, uh, you know, the Seth Rich conspiracy theory. It already was, didn't make any sense to begin with. But then then his family could rest, which is not just and fair. They have to be kept on their toes by being harassed by morons. And of course, yeah, they, in, in the earlier Mueller indictments, uh, there was like, uh, the indictment sort of really laid out the spear phishing attacks that led to the the hack of the DNC emails and the evidence that they have that this was a sort of a Russian fronted sort of operation. Um, and so it, it was it was dead to begin with. So here we have Mueller saying in black and white that the Seth Rich conspiracy theory is false. But wait, I, OK, fine. He said that. But then do we believe him? 
So, I mean, this is a good point. It's like everyone's sort of like pretending like the Mueller report is credible, you know? Right. Yeah. Whatever's in it, it's it's a fact. It's it's like it's because like because like this is sort of like uh, what everyone's sort of like circling circling around. But well, it was written by uh, the one of the heads on Easter Island. Right. So it's very, very (laughs) that's solid as rock. In some versions of the QAnon Seth Rich conspiracy theory. Seth Rich was killed by MS-13, yes. who was the private hit squad for yes. the Democratic Party. Yeah. The Mueller report also contradicts the QAnon belief that Trump was only pretending to hate Jeff Sessions. Uh, several Q drops implored QAnon followers to, quote, trust Sessions. And they rationalized away insults that Trump directed at Jeff Sessions as being mere like kefabe. It was just sort of like performance art. But really, Trump really loved Sessions because Sessions was uh, uh, rolling out the indictments that would eventually lead to the downfall of the deep state was yeah. the basic theory. If you read the like uh, the the uh, Mueller report, it says that um, after Trump learned about the special counsel, uh, the report states that Trump told Sessions, how could you let this happen, Jeff? The report also states that Trump told Sessions something akin to, you were supposed to protect me. So he was genuinely, even when speaking privately to Sessions, very troubled by him and did not like him. So yeah. it wasn't just an act. Yeah. Hard to look at that little fucker and feel good. <laughs> I mean. And uh, some especially deranged corners of QAnon even held to the absurd and incoherent theory that Mueller was secretly investigating Hillary Clinton and other Democrats. Yeah, the old Mueller is a white hat Yeah, thing. yeah the Mueller is a white hat theory, which was popular in some circles. It, it, this is another thing when uh, I... I so it's like, well, there are lots of people who believe this theory. The QAnon people always come at me and they say, oh, Q never said that. I'm like, yeah, but QAnon people did say that. QAnon yeah. followers, people in your community. It's like, it's irrelevant. If you promote, if you like promote a belief that's false and, you know, if, you know, if you hate the sort of false belief, then d- don't complain at me, you know, C- come police your own community, dude, if you don't like it. Don't, don't. So true. Stop reaching out to Travis and, and pushing against him. That's right. You need to accept whatever he says is at, more true even than the, the Mueller report. God, that's right. Exactly. So, um, but, uh, Rather than sort of considering uh, the Mueller report a bust for QAnon, many in the community believe that it's merely a stepping stone. Uh, after the Mueller report's release, they imagine uh, that declassified FISA documents that authorizes the surveillance of Carter Page will reveal serious malfeasance uh, from the FBI. So as usual, something new dropped. Yep. Neither side thinks they're wrong. They both have read into the entrails of this dead Always. bird and gone, ah, I'm correct, and there's more to come. Yep. In QAnon world, after the, the D-class, there's going to be a DOJ Inspector General report that will reveal even more wrongdoing. And then this will be followed oh, by yes. truth and justice is the yeah. order they always say. That's right. Uh, it's very vague. The specific events they imagine will unfold are unclear, but they probably imagine it's somehow related to the long promised mass arrests and military tribunals of the deep state enemies. When they finally hang uh, Travis View, but it's just that Ukrainian photo oh, yeah. guy, Sorry and they kill him in a public square, just yeah. like the enemy yeah. of QAnon. <laughs> just, <laughs> and you're just, uh, oh, well, I'm glad I never uh, revealed my identity. <laughs> Uh, in fact, the biggest issue that many within the QAnon community had with the report is the claim that Trump exclaimed after learning about the special counsel, oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked. Wait, wait, he said that? According to the Mueller report, the rep- these were words this, <laughs> These were words that Trump said. You know, nothing means anything. It's like, here's the thing of justice. And it's like, 
Uh, three qu- Trump quotes, biggest swears compilation, <laughs> yeah. 2020. Like who, who? It doesn't matter. It's all fucking entertainment. Yep. It doesn't fucking matter. It, it it could be toilet paper. It could be the pages of a book. It could be a magazine. It could be the the next president of the United States. It's it all could content, be a dog. baby. Nothing matters. Literally nothing. Shapes, sizes, forms, <laughs> right. communication. Right. Who who fucking cares? Just become a slime ooze. Just melt into your chair and go down the drain and learn that that that. The center of the earth is more stupidity. Right. We we all lose when we have to read an FBI report about what Trump did or did not say about like whether he thought or didn't think he was fucked. Like it just <laughs> just matters zero nothing. It is kind of funny because like they're so I mean they're so fixated on sort of surface appearance and attitude. Yeah. It doesn't like what they they don't care about facts. They care about attitude. Yeah. And Trump expressing the wrong attitude was sort of bewildering to them. That's a, this is why yeah. it sort of mattered to he them. He should have been defiant. He should have been defiant. He should have like what how they imagine what went down. Like the, it was like uh, 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 Mr. President, a uh, Rod Rosenstein has uh, assigned a special counsel to investigate uh, possible connections with the Trump campaign and Russia. And then big and, mistake. Or 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 he sits back in the chair and smiles like ha, all ha, according ha, to plan. Ha, 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 Just ha, what ha. I thought would happen. Perfect. Let oh. them investigate. This is exactly what I thought. This is how they they sort of like he's very. They think that every. Everything's sort of perfect. He has everything under control. He smirks and he smiles and he laughs and he he knows. Bring me Jared. I need to lift my feet. Exactly. It's, it, 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 they imagine he would be unperturbed by this event at all in their imagination. Ha, 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 ha. Much like the Jews, they thought they could come at me, <laughs> but I am Captain America. Welcome back to the Krasencast. We're going to be talking about Trump for the next hour and a half. Big orange Cheeto man that we hate. He's been doing bad stuff to women, to gay people, and to everybody else that we aren't. And I am sick of reading about it while I work out. You know, I'm trying to spot my brother. Alien Disclosure with Travis View. So I want to talk about a popular movement within the UFO research community called Disclosure. And this is related to QAnon in two ways. Uh, Firstly, it's QAnon adjacent in that uh, some QAnon grifters are also big on UFO disclosure, most notably Jordan Sather. I want to very quickly read uh, a one-day-old thread by Jordan Sather trying to respond to Scott Adams, the red-pilled inventor of Dilbert, who is a grade-A idiot, but apparently... He's also not really into aliens, but also really into MAGA. So it's like really, it's like splitting Jordan right down the center. So it started with Jordan Sather saying, Donald Trump could tell the world QAnon is legit and Scott and Jack would still deny it. Re- referring to Jack Posobiec and Scott Adams. God, I love that. It's like, it's like, oh, he's like, you would even deny the word of God, yeah. Trump himself. If Trump spoke it, you would still deny it. He yeah. Then. And liberal side, you would deny the word of Mueller, <laughs> Robert. Uh, okay, so then Scott Adams responds, I will commit to you here in public that if President Trump ever says Q is a real insider with valuable insider information, I will confess my total ignorance and apologize for being so dumb. Same offer for Bigfoot, UFOs, and Nessie, which that really triggered our boy Jordan because he loves Q and he fucking loves aliens. So he said, I would love to come onto your show and enlighten you re-QAnon and UFOs. Let me know if you're ever interested, Scott Adams. Would be better for your cred to have an open conversation than if you had to admit your ignorance publicly, owned uh, Scott Adams. Which topic are you more certain about, UFOs or Q? Jordan Sather, I have no doubt in my mind that QAnon is a legitimate military intelligence operation and that UFOs, and by UFO I mean both extraterrestrial and or secret man-made craft, are in our skies. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's a little 
Oh my God. And then Joe M, Storm is Upon Us, friend of the show, <laughs> he responds with a thumbs up to Jordan, apparently endorsing... B- endorsing the UFOs? Definitely QAnon is a legitimate military intelligence operation, but certainly Joe M doesn't go thumbs up for one and not thumbs up for the other. So he seems to be throwing his hat in the ring for, yes, let's go for some UFOs. It's relevant, secondly, because there are a lot of themes within QAnon that are present within the disclosure movement. Specifically, I'm talking about the idea that there is some sort of massive secret that the government and the mainstream media are working to hide. And once that secret is finally revealed, then it will usher in a better, more wonderful world for everybody. Mm. So um, disclosure basically answers the question, what do you do after you've already proven that highly advanced extraterrestrials exist, have visited Earth, and that the government is covering up what they know about them. Uh, Disclosure is about moving on from trying to prove that aliens are real, because in their mind, that's already done. Yeah. Yeah, So the next... So this is better than QAnon already. QAnon spending all their time doing their original thing. They need to rename their movement something like Disclosure Mm. and move on. Fine. QAnon's real. He's military. Fine. Okay. What's the next fucking step? At least with these people, they're like, okay, what's the world going to look like now? These people are utopian. It's beautiful. The next step, uh, according to people who believe in disclosure, is to make everybody aware of the reality of aliens, to get the government to declassify everything that they know about aliens, and then to move humanity forward into a world with the knowledge and technological advancements that will inevitably happen after the disclosure. That's right. So, But if you really want to understand disclosure, you first must understand the work of Dr. Stephen M. Greer. Do you, do you think that um, when this stuff happens, we'll get Half-Life 3? I, 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 no, actually, no. That's that, that, fucking that, bullshit. You're just too, What's the fucking you're, point, you're then? too optimistic. Stephen M. Greer was born in 1955. At the age of eight, he says he had an experience that would shape the trajectory of his life. In an August 1995 interview with Yoga Journal, <laughs> listen, you take media coverage where you can get it. Oh my god, dude! It's like twelve poses, and here's an interview with an alien guy. <laughs> I love, I love California, by the way. This really, this episode is a celebration of our state, it both is. in terms of what the marijuana does to your brain, <laughs> but also what the fuck. This amazing confluence of like, you know, military industrial complex bullshit, uh, like Bohemian Grove and all these crazy military guys, but then also this amazing, rich, like psychedelic fucking psychosis of like alien bullshit. Nope, it's all true. Sorry. So here's what uh, Greer Greer said about his experience that he had as a young boy. I had a UFO sighting. No one believed it, but I was convinced. I started collecting everything I could on the subject. At one point, I owned every book published on the phenomenon and countless magazines. In 1973, at age 18, Stephen M. Greer claims he experienced another UFO sighting while hiking in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. He said this about the experience. There was no question in my mind, but that it was real. The only question was, what was I going to do about it? For most of his life, UFO research was merely a side project. Greer's career was in medicine. He received an MD degree from the James H. Quillen College of Medicine of East Tennessee State University in 1987. Made up. He then attended Mahek University of North Carolina, where he completed his internship in 1988. Made up. He received his Virginia medical license in 1989. The state of Virginia is very real. Don't even try. the state doesn't exist. (laughs) Shortly after becoming a doctor in 1990, Greer says he had some other experience, the specifics of which he didn't elaborate on, that caused him to feel it was time to do something to organize people 
uh, around the world to view the UFO phenomenon in a new way. He created the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, or CSETI. So okay, this is I was not, about to say, like, the SETI is a real thing, but this well, is not. Yes, yeah, not. <laughs> this is like a fucking so, DVD copy you you're buy, right. off the, buy off a street it's, it's vendor. Like a, it's like a, yes, it's like a mockbuster of SETI. <laughs> so this is not to be confused with the SETI Institute, the mm-hmm. mainstream and more scientifically aligned organization yeah. dedicated to extraterrestrial intelligence research. Never mix up Spinal Tap and Metallica. Right. <laughs> So in Greer's mind, UFO research was too dependent on personal idiosyncratic experiences. UFO accounts always seemed to be like incidental. He envisioned a more proactive approach to UFO encounters. Greer said this. We're trying to develop teams of civilians, diverse and adequately trained, not just to observe, but to go further and interact with UFOs in a positive manner. In CSETI's official statements regarding its intentions, Greer even expanded the Close Encounter, or CE, scale. So the Close Encounter scale categorizes extraterrestrial encounters and was first developed by J. Allen Hynek in his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. In that book, Hynek defines a close encounter of the first kind, or CE1, as a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object seemingly less than 500 feet away. CE2 is having a stroke on your toilet. Well, so uh, CE2 is actually a UFO event that involves some sort of physical effect, like like a UFO <laughs> shutting down your car's engine or something. <laughs> or interfering with your radio or your computer or yeah, something. Yeah, we've seen the movies. Of course. <laughs> and of course, uh, CE3, Close Encounter of the Third Kind, is basically when you actually see like the biological alien. Nice. And of course, uh, later UFO researchers added a Close Encounter of the Fourth Kind, in which a person is abducted by an alien spacecraft. So... My God, is C5 getting fucked? <laughs> I this assume is, so. I'm seeing a lot of probing going on. <laughs> but for uh, Stephen M. Greer, this was incomplete. Greer added the close encounter of the fifth kind, CE5. And here's how he describes CE5. I had purchased knee pads and I got <laughs> on them in the beautiful no, this, gray. This is not what he said. He took it out this and I not... couldn't. Hold back. I All right. to taste yeah, it. I need you to stick to the script, Julia. CE5 is a term describing a fifth category of close encounters with extraterrestrial intelligence, ETI, characterized by mutual bilateral communication rather than unilateral contact. The CE, I think this is power bottoming. <laughs> the CE5 initiative has as its central focus bilateral ETI human communication based on mutual respect and universal principles of exchange and contact. CE types 1 to 4 are essentially passive, reactive, and ETI initiated. So a CE5 is beyond aliens just buzzing by us in their spacecraft. It's about we humans deliberately choosing to communicate with them and then the aliens reacting by communicating back with us. Right, yeah. So in order to communicate with extraterrestrials, Greer develops what he calls the CE5 protocols. So the CE5 protocols consist of three main techniques, lights, audio tones, and the most (laughs) mysterious of all, thought. (laughs) So lights is... Oh, man. So light, lights is simple. Lights just basically mm-hmm. means flashing highly powerful halogen lights into the sky that hopefully the UFOs will notice and then... They have whole cities. Well, they can. True. There's so much going on when you look I down at planet Earth. You think your tiny little beam is going to be, oh, there's something down there, I think. We're going to go visit. What? what? This doesn't make any sense. Lots of this doesn't make any sense. Audio tones uh, means playing audio that they think the aliens will, will recognize. To give you an example, here is a 10-second clip 
of a 25-minute YouTube video titled CE5 Contact Tones Volume 1 and Volume 2. Is it? It's by Moby, right? <laughs> Yeah, pretty irritating. Oh my god, it's like but, a fucking car alarm. Yeah, it's not pleasant. But in in uh, according to Stephen Greer, stuff like that is alien bait. It's an alien call. <laughs> that's their that's their mating that's call. Their mating call. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> alien sound I made on my synthesizer. Dot wav. And the third way to signal the aliens is with thoughts. Yes. And this means a kind of meditation they call coherent thought sequencing. Yeah. So here's how they describe how a team of UFO researchers could contact aliens with coherent thought sequencing. After reaching a state of unbounded consciousness and expanded awareness through any type of meditative technique, silence, or prayer, the team goes through a guided experience where each member sequentially sends his or her awareness out into the cosmos as a beacon which other intelligent living beings might recognize. Yeah, you send your thoughts out into space. They'll Dude, see them. This happens every time I smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> By 1995, CSETI claims that it had approximately 20 grassroots organizations working in uh, cities, including uh, Denver, Phoenix, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Gulf Breeze, Florida, and Ottawa, Canada. The See, teams that, could, that just sounds like fun. That's just people getting together to make like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, they get together. They I love it. They 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 go out at night. They try to contact aliens. It's a good time. That actually is fucking cool. Yeah, of course. And um, so the the teams consist of individuals who have gone through one and two day trainings at CSETI's approach to uh, ET contact. Uh, approximately 100 people have undergone the advanced skills training required to be eligible for consideration as a member of the Rapid Mobilization Investigative Team of CSETI. So this is a special team that can quickly de deploy to hotspots of alleged UFO activity. Oh, this is XCOM. You basically... Yeah, they, they... Exactly. It's XCOM without, without the guns and without the turn-by-turn -turn play. Um, <laughs> I would kill to just have some overweight boomers and I can move them around on a grid like turn, <laughs> turn. Oh, slaughtered again. I should have brought a weapon. Uh, Stephen Greer worked on CSETI's mission even while working as a full-time emergency room physician. Yeah, so, you have to have a medic on your on your XCOM course. team. <laughs> In 1993, Stephen Greer began the Disclosure Project. Greer has stated that the purpose of the Disclosure Project is to present witness testimony and other evidence of UFOs so that policymakers, leaders, and the public will realize that the subject is real and is of profound significance to humanity. As part of this, uh, they pushed to grant amnesty to government whistleblowers willing to violate their security oaths by sharing insider knowledge about UFOs. See, this is like, okay, so this is a very tricky one for ufologists because of the way technology is changing, I think. For example, with police brutality in the United States, uh, it was always an issue. And sometimes you'd see right. footage like, uh, what's his name? Rodney King. Rodney King, exactly. So you'd, you'd find that footage, but it was still like VHS. It's hard to capture that footage. Now right. every single human being has a high quality camera. So, of course, we've seen way more perfectly captured cases of horrifying police brutality. Right. Now, logically, mm -hmm. if aliens were real and the issue was always that we had shitty cameras or weren't able to get it out in time... Now you have a country full of people armed with amazing cameras, and yet still we don't have a great, central, easy to look at, that's definitely an alien video, which, I don't know, seems... 
I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with the flyby, man. They flew by like once or twice, maybe every yeah, once in a while. They're very, very, they're very, very skittish, apparently. Yeah, it's like, what do they not want to be seen? They, they, they don't. I mean, when you read uh, sort of like his works, you get the you get the sense that um, the reason why the UFOs or the aliens don't make their presence known in a more obvious way, and they that we're just not ready. And like, right, yeah. and like, like they're all like, all hmm, this is very. They they know that we're like intelligence on a sort of like a nominal level, but we're unsophisticated, we're undeveloped, <laughs> you know, and we're too warlike. The idea they, is like they come down, they're like. The entire Earth is really stupid, but right. these ufologists are yeah, fucking exactly. amazingly smart. So now uh, the Disclosure Project was not the first project dedicated to uh, government disclosure of UFO secrets. For example, Citizens Against UFO Secrecy was formed in 1977, and it advocated for the release of information regarding UFOs that has been classified by the government organizations through the use of the Freedom of Information Act. But uh, while Citizens Against UFO Secrecy wasn't particularly active, the Disclosure Project was very active. Uh, Greer believed, and still believes, the work of Disclosure is profoundly important. He thinks that it will usher in a global, peaceful, high-tech, near-utopia. Here's a quote from his 1996 paper called The Implications of an Extraterrestrial Disclosure. As the global community contemplates the immediate and future reality of Earth coming into contact with other advanced civilizations, all of the usual preoccupations with the endless internecine battles among nations and peoples on Earth will suddenly appear in quite a different light. The differences and conflicts between various racial, religious, ethnic, and national identities will be seen in a new perspective as we begin to contemplate the reality of Earth evolving into an interplanetary civilization. The world will increasingly quicken the pace of globalization and integration into a functional, peaceful civilization. In that same paper, Greer says that the disclosure will mean that, uh, finally, we'll all get to enjoy alien technology. Here's what he writes. Covert human projects have possessed advanced extraterrestrial technologies and have been reverse engineering them for decades. This means that in the post-disclosure era, there will be the opportunity to eventually apply these technologies to the problems of human society. The elaboration of the mechanisms of advanced energy, propulsion, communications, and other extraterrestrial technologies will have an extraordinary impact on current Earth technologies, including energy generation, transportation, communications, education, manufacturing, medicine, and more. Aside from our science, mathematics, and technology textbooks being rewritten, the practical applications of the technologies will completely transform the face of human society. Um, as part of his work, uh, Stephen M. Greer even claimed that he briefed high-level government officials about his work. In Greer's 1999 book, Extraterrestrial Contact, The Evidence and Implications, he claims that he briefed CIA director James Woolsey. So here's how Greer describes that incident in his book. On December 13, 1993, my wife and I flew to Washington, D.C. to meet with President Clinton's first CIA director, James Woolsey. The cover for this meeting was simply a small dinner party consisting of CIA Director Woolsey and his wife, Dr. Sue Woolsey, Chief Operating Officer of the National Academy of Sciences, and our host and his wife. However, James Woolsey and three other people mentioned in his account have disputed Greer's claim. So apparently this dinner party did happen, but uh, not quite like he claimed. Uh, The four of them wrote a joint letter that basically calling the meeting a dinner party wasn't just a cover story. It was actually just a dinner party. So here's what that 1999 letter to Stephen Greer says. 
it has just come to the attention of the four of us that you have, without giving any of us the opportunity to comment, published a distorted account of a dinner party of some six years ago at which the four of us, you and your wife, were seated together. You portray this dinner party conversation during which the four of us listened to your views and politely asked questions as a briefing with a cover story. You further asserted that Mr. and Mrs. Woolsey reported a UFO sighting to you and agreed with your views. You include specific alleged quotations from them. None of this is accurate. <laughs> you have portrayed politeness as acquiescence and questions as affirmations. Your conduct in this matter contravenes both accuracy and simple manners. Ooh, oh, yeah. ooh, you, <laughs> ooh, I must drink my tea correctly and not accept that ET is real. Ooh, fancy lads, ooh. I, you know, here's the, I don't know the story behind this dinner party exactly, but it sounds like somehow... Sounds like a shitty dinner party. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like somehow he actually got into the same room as a CIA director. <laughs> like, that that part did happen. And then in his mind was like, all, uh, like all, oh, you're inviting me to a dinner party? Wink, wink. You actually want the secret information I have in my giant brain. Right, exactly. <laughs> Imagine There's, you fucking hang yeah. out with people and you always keep thinking that you're there to brief them. Right. Like you think you're so smart and important. He's the CIA director and you're the one that's going to brief him. Yeah, I know. That's how it works. He has, yeah, I mean, this this guy, uh, you know, Stephen Gray, he's obviously extremely smart yeah. and extremely motivated, but he does have just these delusions of grandeur. Yeah. After years of work collecting this UFO evidence... Uh, Disclosure Project was finally ready to hold a big press event to, to show, you know, everything that they had and finally pressure the government into disclosure. That's right. On May 9th, 2001, Greer and the 20 UFO witnesses he had assembled, most of them old retired military guys, filed into the main ballroom of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. So this is a serious venue. Around 100 observers gathered to hear what they had to say. Behind the audience were, were a dozen cameras to capture this earth-shattering revelation. And uh, here's how Stephen Greer describes his goals as he introduced the press conference. This is the beginning of the campaign for disclosure. And in a memo that I wrote to President Bush last week, I've stated that this campaign will persist until our goals are met. And they are as follows that we have open, honest hearings on the subject in the U.S. Congress, that there would be a permanent ban on the weaponization of space or the targeting of any objects of extraterrestrial origin, that there be a full and complete study of classified technologies connected to this subject to see how they could be properly declassified and applied for peaceful energy generation so that the world may get off of fossil fuels in enough time to prevent greater ecosystem damage or war over the looming energy crisis, which is sure to sweep the earth in the coming decade. This is a matter of the most pressing import. It has been ridiculed, yes. I know many in the media would like to talk about little green men. But in reality, the subject is laughed at because it is so serious. Yeah, you're laughing at me because yeah. I'm over the target. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a bizarre little man. But also, he clearly like 
prepared very well for this speech. He's oh. not looking down at any paper. Like he's re- he, and it's very Here's metered. His words are very. He is. Yeah. The thing about Stephen Greer is that he is a serious man. I think a lot of the things that he believes are sort of ludicrous, <laughs> but he is he is dead serious about yep. this. He, I mean, he was a medical doctor. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to you have to know how to communicate trust in order to work in that profession. You yeah. Know? However, uh, observers of the press conference weren't impressed. Uh, here's how journalist Joel Aikenbach described the event for the Washington Post. As they took turns at the microphone, it became apparent that this was a rather quaint event, a return to the fundamentals of ufology, the discussion of aerial anomalies. At one point, a witness flashed two black and white photos of a saucer-shaped craft. The tales were set, for the most part, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. There was no talk of alien abductions or an alien-human hybridization program or the implantation of alien fetuses or any of the other extremely intimate close encounters of the fifth kind that have dominated the UFO mythology in recent years. These guys were from the hardware wing of the movement. They'd seen things in the sky that they couldn't explain. Objects, lights, radar blips moving at extraordinary speed. What they didn't see in almost every case were any actual aliens. Only one witness, Clifford Stone, a retired army sergeant professed to having directly seen an alien. He'd seen bodies at the site of crashed alien saucers. Some aliens were still alive. Asked if he could describe their appearance, he said, quote, I could, but it would probably take a whole lot of time. <laughs> like, you're at a conference. <laughs> there are 57 documented alien species, he said, including three types of greys. Many look just like human beings, he said. Some can touch an object in a dark room and tell its color, he said. Basically, it's, it was pretty impressive. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad yeah. that he, like, he assembled this sort of this, this great event and then he, he was sort of super serious about it. But ever, all observers just found it really unimpressive. You could watch the entire conference if you want. It's on YouTube. Yeah, this uh, is a bit like Jacob Wohl's press conferences. Basically. Yeah. People mostly just, it's like his mom and then people there to make fun of him. Yeah, so yeah, so the press conference was a flop, and this was a shame because it seems like Greer really thought that this would be what finally blew uh, the lid off of all the UFO secrets. Uh, three years later, in 2004, Stephen Greer wrote that he wasn't happy with the media reception <laughs> of that press conference. He said this. Here, smoking gun evidence, official government documents, and dozens of credible corroborated top secret witnesses were presented to the world's major media. And big media did virtually nothing. Oh, fuck it. He basically said that uh, the MSM isn't reporting the truth about aliens because they're in the government's pocket. Here's what he said. Essentially, America has no free press of any significance when it comes to real investigative reporting, government secrecy, or serious technology breakthroughs dealing with energy and propulsion systems that could replace big oil. (laughs) (laughs) Halfway through, he's like, he's basically like describing WikiLeaks and then it just keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The big media is vertically and horizontally integrated. I mean, is there any other dimension of integration here or couldn't you just said integrated into a large corporate and quasi-governmental matrix of course there we go of shadowy interests and corrupting influences in no way is the major media in america free nor has it been for decades i figured this out because no one liked my conference <laughs> yeah he also wrote that he may have to take the matter of disclosure into his own hands perhaps the shape of the grays member all right that i'm taking into my own hands Read the text, Julian. Perhaps someone in big media will step up to the plate and do the matter justice. But more likely, we need to identify a financial sponsor to start what I am calling the Disclosure Network via satellite. Uh, Editor's note, I would propose George Soros. 
With adequate funding, we could begin real investigative reporting on issues that really matter and renew the promise of a free press. This idea is that this will be an independent media venture. They'll be free from sort of the mm. MSM's control. Yeah. So is, here's the idea that, like, you know, the, the mainstream media is all a big club and it's all uh, in the pocket of uh, governments and uh and so he needs to create his own indie media company to get oh. around the get around the mainstream media. He already has C SETI. Like I don't understand. He's created a thing. He, right. They've been putting out messaging for years. But it's not enough. Not enough. He needs to get his he, message. He's like, out what more. if we made another C SETI? But it was like a media C SETI. Well, the thing is that yeah, it that's basically it. That's that he sort of understands the sort of the power of the credibility of the mainstream yes. media. Yeah. He's, he's like he's like, what if we were our own newspaper? Exactly. <laughs> what if we reviewed ourselves? And they they sort of like yeah. And they believed us more than the mainstream media. Basically. This is very much the Enron system. And in America, you know, regulating yourself uh, in a free market, which has functioned so well so far, is actually kind of traditional. So this guy, he's a little slow to get to the conclusions that many others uh, have had years before him. You know, it really seems like he really was really convinced that he could uh, make make the world aware about the reality of aliens through like conventional ways. Oh, I'm going oh, okay, I'm going to gather evidence and I'm going to present yeah. that evidence to the media and then the world, the media will pick up on it and then yeah. everyone will know what I know. And this is like, he, this is what he thought the trajectory would be. It just didn't pan out like that for him. Yeah, no, it didn't work out. So Greer never did make the disclosure network, at least not yet. But uh, in recent years, he has turned to producing documentaries in order to push for disclosure in 2013, he produced a documentary called Sirius, which is sp spelled like the star. In 2017, he produced the film Unacknowledged, an expose of the world's greatest secret, which is streaming right now on Netflix if you want to see his evidence. I'm probably going to go watch that. Yeah, it's good. Currently, uh, Stephen Creer is crowdfunding for a new documentary film called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, Contact, Consciousness, and the human future. Dude, this is his fucking porno, dude. I'm telling you, this, he's going to fuck the aliens. The fifth thing is 100% fucking. He's like, what if it wasn't just the aliens doing stuff to us, but we did some stuff back to them? As of this recording, the film has raised approximately $155,000 of its $700,000 goal. Ah, pick it up, Pornhub. So here's a segment from the trailer of the film in which Greer argues that if millions of people use his CE5 protocols, then it will lead to disclosure. Don't forget to wear the condoms. So uh, for the listener, the cover of this video is like Stephen Greer from the side in a position of prayer, almost looking like, I don't know, like a Catholic priest in a movie. Uh, where he has to like face his own sins or whatever. Why? <laughs> He's a doctor. Cause, cause this UFO stuff it really gets into like spiritualism. Okay. Sort of this belief that yeah. like it's really about, you know, uh, us and humanity and our minds. Hmm. If millions of people start doing this, an army of consciousness doing this, it'll overwhelm the covert systems. This is how disclosure will happen. It's time for the people to find the solution. And here it is, mass contact through consciousness. Citizens Diplomacy CE5. This is the ultimate disclosure event. Be part of history, be part of the change. It's a call to action. Uh, so wait, it's just him talking, like... Yep. Just make a podcast, dude. If you have no visual evidence for your alien shit, just make a podcast. That's what we did. We have no evidence for anything we say. 
it really comes down to this, this sort of belief that, you know, if the media isn't going to do it and governments aren't going to do it, um, everyone as sort of like people will basically go out and like meditate at night to make the aliens know that we're here and we're peaceful. And then the aliens will make themselves known to us as humanity. It's called thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and and prayers. It's a very good approach. And of course the now 60 something Stephen Greer is still dedicated to training the next generation of people who push for disclosure by teaching them how to contact aliens. In fact, you can go on a week long retreat with Dr. Greer for the low, low price of $2,500. You can learn everything you need to know about making first contact. Uh, Each night of the excursion, you'll go out under the stars for four to five hours to make contact using his close encounters of the fifth kind protocols. Uh, And here's what else you'll get, uh, according to his website, SeriousDisclosure.com. How to make contact with ET civilizations using the CE5 protocols and how to really become an ambassador to the universe. Advanced training in mantra meditation. Advanced techniques of remote viewing, precognition, and the science of consciousness. The effects of the Sanskrit puja as we make sacred the place for contact using this ancient Vedic ceremony. (laughs) An update on worldwide disclosure project developments by Dr. Greer and the progress being made with leaders around the world. So basically they just go up to him and go, how are you doing? And he answers them. Amazing. An in-depth review of new energy technologies, including free energy from the zero point field, anti-gravity, and how the world could be transformed with these new sciences. A deep understanding of the next great cycle on Earth, one of universal peace, free energy, abundance, and enlightenment through higher states of consciousness. How to set up your own contact team in your local area to continue to make contact with ET visitors to Earth. <laughs> it's also, it also starts yeah. to sound like a, like a MLM, sort of a yeah. multi-level marketing pitch there at the end. We should just add a few, like how to roll a joint, uh, <laughs> you know, how to make friends at school, uh, how to start a podcast. <laughs> And if going on one week-long retreat with Greer isn't enough for you, can you actually go again for half the price of regular tuition? Wait, so if you go once, then you can go a second time for half the price? That's right. That's right. First time is $2,500. You go again, it's only $1,250. That's like the reverse of what drug dealers do. <laughs> They're like, the first one's expensive, <laughs> but after that, it'll be cheaper. <laughs> I don't get it. But that's a little out of your price range for a $6.99. You nice, can, nice, nice, fucking nice. You can download a smartphone app by Stephen Greer called ET Contact Tool. Oh my God. He's selling an app for $6.9 called Contact Tool. <laughs> what am I supposed to fucking do here? Right. You're setting it, me up for this. You're helpless. This allegedly, this app allegedly contains all the instructions, tones, and other tools you need to get in touch with visiting life forms. And people like it. Here is a recent April 15th, 2019 review of the app. Not a joke. It works. After using the meditations, I've had five encounters with unidentified aerial phenomena in the last three months. Mind blown. Had to rethink my perception of reality. Thank you for helping me take my first step into a larger view of the universe. Guys, our iTunes reviews are not this good. So (laughs) you need to get up there and tell people that we've changed... Your you've, life. You've fucking touched an alien since you started See, listening to our podcast. This is the downside of like having a podcast with kind of a cynical tone. It's like we don't we don't get super oh, enthusiastic uh, reviews it. quite as much. It's true, but we do. We need to find a utopia that we're right. aiming for. And then we have we to need, promise it. You're right. We have to figure out why if everyone listens to us, the world will be better. The world will change. The world will change dramatically. We're actually changing the vibrational frequency we of are. your minds, and so together we're going to enter the new age of consciousness. 
righteousness. Of course, of course. This is how this ends. This podcast becomes a new cult. <laughs> Jake comes back. It's like, what happened to the... <laughs> <laughs> why is Travis in a robe? <laughs> and why is Julian blowing him? <laughs> uh, so that's basically the story of Dr. Stephen Greer and his journey from UFO researcher to UFO disclosure activist to indie UFO media producer. And today, disclosure has grown into a popular movement within the new age in UFO circles. The annual UFO conference Contact in the Desert in Indian Wells, California, will have a panel on secret space program and disclosure this year. Are also Dude, lot- are we are we gonna go? I I assume so. Let's 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 get. A we ticket. gotta figure this out. The tickets are actually pretty expensive. Fucking uh, grifter bastards! I know. Um, damn. But I still do want to do like something like this. Something because we're yeah. QAnon doesn't really do. Like, yeah, it's weird. They conferences don't do yet? like IRL meetups, which no. you, you'd think they're not that good I, at that. I, I'd be happy to go to one of these, but yeah. I've checked around. They we'll just don't exist. Settle for aliens. There are also lots of books on the subject, such as. UFOs and Disclosure in the Trump Era by Richard M. Dolan, which you can buy right now on Amazon. Don't do that, Travis. Don't. (laughs) And of course, there are disclosure grifters like uh, Jordan Sather and David Wilcock, who promise anyone who will listen that a better, more amazing world is just around the corner. And it all started because once in 1963, a precocious eight-year-old boy saw something in the night sky he couldn't explain. Yeah, com- is, thank you for this, by the way, uh, Travis. But I, I do imagine the the person who believes in QAnon and aliens is like going to be looking up at the gallows, and as Hillary Clinton drops and is hung behind her, a gray was yeah, hidden. You know, so you right. get it's like a double finally double finally. whammy. We just that's, that's the only thing that's holding back <laughs> disclosure is the death of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she oh. di- she dies instantly. A gray bursts out of her stomach like Coato. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was in here the whole time. Thank you for liberating me by killing Hillary. <laughs> yeah, Hillary Clinton's satanic evil was was too powerful. It <laughs> repelled all the aliens. Like, She's the only I, thing. It's the only thing. That's the. O- they just fly by Earth, but it's not like, oh, these people pollute and are destroying and are full of war. No, no, no. The entire Earth is amazing, and this one satanic asshole is ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> ah, man. Stephen Greer, man, he is such a fascinating character because yeah. because th- this is a guy, like I said, I, I do not think that he's like a, a grifter or insincere or mm-hmm, anything, yeah. despite the $2,500 week-long retreats. But but I think that he is 100% sincere. He believes in his bones that aliens are real and alien contacts are just like a commonplace thing. Yeah. They happen all the time. Yeah. And and it, he really believes that it, it's just a matter of like getting the government to just admit it. You know, it's like it yep. feels like like they're holding back a secret. It's like if you just admit aliens are real, then we can live in an amazing sort of world. Yeah. But they just won't do it. No, they won't let us have access to how good the world actually is if we could realize it. Yeah. <laughs> one thing, you know, one thing I I'm really interested. I, there's lots of lots of problems with like his theories, but one thing is that he always insists on like going out into at night and using the CE five protocols. Like yeah. this is what you do at the retreat. Why exactly? Which is funny because in space, like that, that means nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. From it, space, <laughs> it's like why exactly are you uh, contacting? Trying yeah. to uh, sort of reach out to the aliens at you know at night when visibility is low. Yeah, it's almost like you know nighttime is when you start seeing things that are harder to explain because your eyeballs are just getting less information. In fact, yeah. if you were looking for a UFO, would it make sense to sort of like do it during the daytime where no, everything's it's, bright, it's, like, it's clear, you can see the UFO? You know, it seems it seems like that's not logical. But then think about 
when you choke yourself as you jack off, yes, you're restricting the air. Uh, right. And there's less of it. Right. But it's, it tastes better, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's basically... <laughs> These people are <laughs> choking themselves. Yeah, right. And they're seeing aliens. Exactly. They they, they go out at night, so, so visibility is low. And then they... they, they they're they, just huffing paint. And then they start, like, meditating. <laughs> so they're in a hyper-receptive state. Yeah, and then and then mm-hmm. they so so of course like if you like yeah if you you know if you see if you start seeing something strange mm-hmm. in your hyper receptive state you're already primed to want to see UFOs yeah. then yeah that's what you're gonna see that's right damn we got them I think this episode uh, once and for all takes down the ufology community <laughs> <laughs> I almost felt like kind of bad for dr greer because yeah. like it's like he's he's a sort of like a celebrity kind of within the movement you know what's going to happen but, though sather is going to be so jealous that we didn't cover him at all except for like a minor squabble with whatever scott adams but uh but we covered greer so much greer is like the og like yeah like he's he, the real. it's one of those things where like the initial people who like started the movement they were real they're all about it they believed it in their bones and sort of like grifters came in their wake basically yeah always right yeah. Because Jesus was right, and then those assholes then went off and wrote the New Testament, and none of it makes any fucking sense. <laughs> this idea of, like, if we all sort of got our minds right, and if we start becoming, a, like, a more peaceful, better people, then maybe the aliens would like us, you know? Yeah. You know, it's almost, uh, you know, it's like... If I make myself better, Daddy, who's never told me he loves me, yeah, is exactly. finally going to pay... Th- it's so much like QAnon and it Trump. Is. It is. If we just behave just right, then Trump will give us a little nod, a little yeah. wink, something... Yeah, they imagine, yeah, like UFO researchers, they really imagine we're sort of like the, the immature children of the universe. Yeah. And there are like all these other amazing, super advanced you know, civilizations that we're just not worthy to be a part of quite yet. I just realized there's going to be a whole segment of the American population that once Trump dies, starts seeing him in butter and different oh, <laughs> things. Oh, yeah, of course. Trump in the sky. Tr- Trump came to me in my sleep and told oh. me you know the truth oh my god he's gonna be a, he's literally going to be a saint to about a tenth of this country oh once he's a- du- once absolutely he's dead. i mean yeah i mean people keep people keep like you know uh you know they keep hoping and imagining for like the day trump leaves office and that will be good but it will not be the end of trump. not a chance it will be he will be he will be a bigger celebrity than whoever the president is you know? oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's so, right well bernie sanders is not that good at like zingy one-liners that demean other people like he needs to get <laughs> right, better at right, being right. catty as he's, shit he needs he's the workshop his is uh his, yeah. his burns i think he needs to yeah he yeah. should feel the burn yeah. uh uh he, he needs to get better at subtweeting uh and 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 passive aggression and then just overt aggression yeah uh, just general vindictiveness yes yeah that's right yeah i think that think that uh yeah i think any any politician who wants to like have a shot mm-hmm. at uh, 2020 and beyond he needs needs to get needs to up their posting game basically yeah i mean yeah. Best, what's best, your best show us your best memes that's right let's think about we'll Trump. See. he is he is a he is an excellent poster so uh yeah so uh some everyone else needs to catch up when it comes to aliens for my money phil schneider has bar none the best alien encounter story i have ever heard it's got mystery it's got intrigue it's got action It's got a grainy video of a man with a deformed hand speaking into a shitty microphone and showing off pieces of alien spacecrafts. This story is so wild, you might, dear listener, understandably assume that I made it up. Although if I did, it would definitely star a 90s action icon. Unfortunately, 
or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. This story is straight from Schneider's mouth to your ears. I have added nothing. So, without further ado, I bring you the story of Phil Schneider versus the aliens. For 17 years, Phil Schneider worked as an engineer for government black sites, carrying a level 3 security clearance. As a geologist, he was assigned to the black projects at Area 51, S4, and Los Alamos. According to Schneider, he co-invented shaped charge explosives research, which qualified him to assist in the building of underground and submarine bases. Schneider uh, is a self-taught metallurgist and has a collection of rare alien metals, which he claims are used in the construction of all stealth aircraft and marine vessels. All have come from alien technology, gathered in crashed spacecrafts that Schneider claims the military has known about for over a hundred years, tracing back to 1909. At the time of the seminar where Schneider first told this heroic tale, he estimates that the United States government receives a black budget of $1.023 trillion every two years, a little bit more than $500 billion per year. He also claims that there are 131 active, deep underground military bases in the United States. There are 1,477 of them worldwide and carry a cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars, and the military is capable of building a couple of them every year. According to Schneider, every underground base in the country is connected by a Mach 2 train that floats off of a single rail. When Phil was only 14 years old, he came into possession of a special piece of titanium that he claims was ripped from one of the alien spacecrafts that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in the 1970s. He says that this particular type of metal was used in the SR-71 Blackbirds, as well as the F-117A. However, they're old hat compared to the new type of fighter jets the government currently employs. Hypersonic, above Mach 5 aircraft that employ extremely modern particle charge beam weapons. They don't even use lasers anymore, Schneider remarks. The metal can withstand temperatures of 7,500 degrees Fahrenheit that contains both niobium and miranite, element 123. The crystalline form of the metal came to us by way of the, quote, large alien grays. It's grown in the confines of outer space and can withstand temperatures of 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Much of this was collected at Area 51, which Schneider claims employs 18,000 workers who work in 12-hour shifts around the clock. Schneider and his team of engineers built out nine military bases at the Area 51 site, each four and a quarter cubic miles underground. They employ highly sophisticated machinery that use high-powered lasers to inflagrate the rock, creating the space for the infrastructure to be built. Schneider admits that he's breaking both world and federal law by coming out and talking about his experiences. I love my country more than I love my life, he explains. He describes the current U.S. government as an autocracy and a technocracy, likening it to a feudal system as opposed to a democracy or a republic. But all this pales in comparison to Schneider's most infamous story. He was stationed in Los Alamos at the black site in Dulce, New Mexico in late August of 1979. He and his colleagues were in the process of building out four massive tunnels beneath the surface to connect the three cubic mile wide underground base. But there was a problem. The drills kept coming up broken. Schneider, alongside the members of his team, was asked to go underground to investigate the nature of the malfunctions. Schneider recalls, When I saw Green Beret and Black Beret soldiers had been sent to our geological camp, I knew something was up. Schneider was lowered down in one of the baskets, as he calls them, along with armed soldiers and members of his team. When the gates opened, he came face to face with a seven foot tall, 
alien gray. The stench was worse than the worst garbage you could ever imagine. Unbeknownst to the team, they had been drilling right on top of a massive community of alien greys who Schneider suspects had been living in that underground pocket for over 500 years. He immediately reaches for his Walter PPK pistol, but because he's in a full hazmat suit, he explains that unclipping the gun from his holster and loading a magazine proved difficult. Quote, I killed two of them. Yes, they're mortal, and they do die. However, in the process, one of them waved his hand in front of his chest. And the next thing I know, this blue beam hits me and opens me up like a fish. Burnt my fingers right off me. It was some form of electrical force, kind of like being hit like a lightning bolt. Burned all my toenails off of me. Really crispy crittered my left foot. Burnt the shoe right off of me. All I remember was the smoke and the remains. I'm in and out of consciousness. And I don't remember much. There was a green beret right behind Schneider who saw him go down and dragged his near unconscious body back to the basket, sacrificing his own life to save Phil's. He died. He risked his life. He shoved me back in the basket, hit the button, and took me up. I wouldn't be alive talking to you today if it wasn't for him. I'm forever indebted. When all was said and done, 66 Secret Service members, Green Berets, and Black Berets were killed in the incident and Schneider emphatically blames the government for lying to them about what was in that cave. He goes on to say that since that day, the major militaries of the world have been at war with a species of alien greys that live beneath the Earth's surface. He says, There are 11 distinct races of aliens. Two are benevolent, and one had to leave here in a hurry because their world was under attack. The Pleiadicians. Here Schneider is referencing the alien race said to have contacted Billy Meyer, a Swiss citizen who is said to be the source of many UFO photographs, which honestly we could probably spend an entire episode on in the future. Schneider then produces a picture of one of the benevolent aliens that has been helping us here on Earth. He says, His name is Valiant Four. The photograph was taken in the ready room of the USS Eldridge, and there's my father standing behind him. Schneider goes on to explain that alongside Val, as he calls him, in the picture are all of the top atomic bomb scientists as well as many of the top time variant scientists of the time. The photo was taken in August of 1943. Schneider says, He came here, crashed here, whatever. He started working for our U.S. Navy and military operations in 1937. For 50 years, this man has been employed for the United States government. He calls him a man, but he's talking about the alien. He's a human-looking type person, save for six fingers and six toes. He's got one oversized heart, one giant lung. His blood vessels are bigger. He's got copper oxide for blood, similar to an octopus. His brain capacity, 300 centimeters greater than ours. His thinking capacity, IQ, if you were to measure, would be totally off the scale, would be about a 1200 IQ. He speaks 100 languages fluently. He's a remarkable person. I had a chance to meet him one time. Schneider goes on to explain that Valiant Four did not shake his hand when they met. He explains that all aliens are carrying loads of germs, bacterium, and diseases that would be deadly to us. And for that reason, most of them are kept here, against their will, quarantined, and not permitted to interact with human beings without wearing a spacesuit. The lecture goes on for another 40 minutes, and I would seriously recommend listening to the whole thing because Schneider is fairly convincing. His entire left hand is deformed, as well as all ten of his toes. Clearly the residual damage from being hit with the large alien gray's energy gesture. Schneider concludes his talk by saying, If you ever hear that I committed suicide, I want you to know that I, of sound mind and body, 
would never kill myself, and you can be sure that I was murdered. Phil Schneider died in 1996. He was strangled with a catheter tube tied in a knot around his neck and found slumped over in his wheelchair. The official cause of death? Suicide. Joining us on the show is Bakun, a.k.a. Oliver Leach. Uh, he's an artist and dog appreciation Twitter account with a special interest in UFOs. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Howdy, boys. Your work is is uh, kind of really tied into UFOs. You're also uh, great on Twitter. But you, you kind of, when we started talking a little bit about what we wanted to do an episode on together, you mentioned hanging out with UFOlogists and having a kind of history there. How, how did you end up making your way into those circles? Well, I, I'd always been really into UFO shit, as long as I can remember. You know, I, I grew up in the age, it was right before the X-Files, so I kind of came into the prime time for it. And yeah, when X-Files came around, yeah, everybody lost their shit. I do remember yeah. that. It was it was very mysterious. The show felt like you were watching a documentary you weren't supposed to or something back then. Well, yeah, all, all the, you know, all the best UFO shit feels like a documentary, you know, conspiracy shit. Yeah. Let me see. When did I really get into it? It was after I dropped out of NYU and moved back, to, <laughs> you know. It's the beginning of every ufologist story. <laughs> after dropping it's out beginning of... It's a lot of stories, yeah. Because, like... It's true. Like, NYU's hell. It's like going to school in, like, a Kafka novel. So, I dropped the fuck out. I went back to Texas. I rented like an attic room in some crazy guy's house and just painted uh, on, you know, stolen wood, you know, using house paint, painting all this UFO stuff. And I saw a local, uh, you know, University of Texas offshoot up there in Arlington that they're doing community education classes on some kind of wacky shit. What, and... like UFO courses? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is amazing. I thought education was fucked up in the United States, but this sounds it's great. Oh, no, it was totally great. It was like, you know, continuing education type shit. But and I saw one of the guys with Jim Mars, who I knew kind of in the back of my head was involved in kind of JFK shit. And he was teaching a class on why the government killed John F. Kennedy and another class on ufology. And I took both of them <laughs> yeah. and kind of got to know the guy after class and stuff and he sort of introduced me to some people and i met some people through him from uh what they called i, I think it's still around mufon mutual ufo network huh. and yeah there's just chapters all around the country there was like the metroplex chapter up in texas so mar i mean he he's uh can you explain for the listener a little bit his background because i i looked it up and was kind of looking into it it seems like he's written a book about every single possible conspiracy theory if not several yeah he was this kind of old uh you know cowboy kind of like i think he said he was maybe army intelligence back in the day <laughs> of course he did they all are <laughs> they all say that <laughs> right of but course. He, he became no. like the stephen king or like the dean Koontz of like uf like you know Oh, yeah. He was always like going off to Tokyo to talk in some like, you know, TBS, Tokyo Broadcasting thing, documenting on JFK or something, the JFK Red Money or the Council on Foreign Relations or whatever, you yeah. know, or Angles of the Bullet. Yeah. He wrote a book called Crossfire, which yes. has became kind of the JFK book. It's the one that Oliver Stone based JFK on. Yeah. That, that book posited that uh, 
Joe Pesci was involved in the death of JFK. And, and oh, yeah. James, all James Woods, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> all of them. Uh, yeah, that that movie, I don't I haven't watched it in a while. I wonder, I mean, does it even hold up? I, I, I'm not sure. Most of Stone's work, to me, like has not held up that well when I rewatched it. His stuff is like milk. It's good for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you took you took both of these courses. First of all, how did you get graded on you know JFK? There was no grade. There was no grade. Okay. There was no work. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just watch him talk. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's yeah, wonderful. Like, that's good. He said, "On the last day of class, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna lay it out, and I'm gonna go person to person. You're gonna tell me." If you think Oswald killed Kennedy, that's the final thing. <laughs> that's amazing. Was he bringing like photos up there and kind of showing you and pointing oh, yeah. and drawing oh, yeah. lines between shit? Yeah, chalkboard shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think probably Oswald killed Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, it does seem that way. Sorry. Yeah. We, we did an episode with Matt Chrisman where we kind of explored like what might be realistic. And it's more about what was behind Oswald, really. Like, was he truly insane? Did he have a CIA handler? Was there any other, like, anything else involved to, to getting him to kill? And then and then yeah. how the hell does he then get killed right afterwards? Like, there's clearly, I mean, it could just be a series of coincidences. But either way, I'm, I'm about to red pill myself, like, you know, one question in. But I want, I want to know, okay, so no grades. Oh, like in The Matrix. Yes. Like in The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, like, famous movie, 2000. Uh, 1999. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's not here, man. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to mouth off and no one's going to correct me. Um, so, okay. So you, you got, so you got no grades and there was no work. So by the end of it, I told him I, I, I believed his theory, but I didn't. Oh, cause I, I wanted to, you know, that's, that's another common thing with uh, a lot of UFOologists is that they explain their theories to people. And they get a lot of polite nods. Oh yeah. Yeah, well sure. <laughs> well, this is a bit different because it's not someone at a you know being cornered at a at a cocktail party. It's like somebody who's who's w- willingly <laughs> sitting, you know, and taking yeah. a course. Oh yeah, I paid paid uh, you know paid money to, to sit there for you know for this privilege. Yeah, that's so, amazing. And it was, it was fascinating, man. Oh yeah. What what exactly was like was his sort of like his his evidence or his reason to believe in ufos is it like like the you know testimonies of old of old army guys and blurry photographs like the standard fare kind of stuff basically yeah. yeah and just walking through from you know from abraham lincoln era to now the the grand kind of larger you know bankers in the Bunker, Illuminati, uh, Council uh, on Foreign Relations, you know, webs of coincidence, you know, the, the, the shit. Just say juice. <laughs> ba- like, that's kind of where I kind of diverge from him. Well, there's three but, types of aliens. There's uh, the ones from Mars Attacks, there's the Greys, and there's the Jews. <laughs> like, well, like a lot of conspiracy people, like 9-11 made him lose his shit. <laughs> yes, yep. yes. Yeah. And I was I actually moved to New York in August, like late August of 2001. So not the best fucking timing. Yeah. Like I moved to like lower Manhattan. So I saw all that shit. So he was pumping me for information. Like, did you see a lot of black SUVs on 910? Wow. Did you see, you know, any Mossad agents like. Wait, so this guy thought you were in Area 51 because you were in Manhattan? No, he thought he was go, going on like 
did Israel know about 9-11? Oh. Other shit. This was not UFO connected. This oh, was just... wow. Sorry. That was so anti-Semitic just... that I just didn't even catch it. <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. Like, and I was so he like I was becoming a new primary source for him. It's like I got split, dude. Yeah. You, uh, you know? <laughs> Interesting. That's when you bailed on him when he after 9-11 when he was like, what about the when, when he started pumping me for, you know, yeah, did you see any like. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, Jewish guys with uh, earpieces in the night before. <laughs> of course, yeah. Jeez. No, no, dude, I did not. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's amazing. I think it's funny because you think about like the big uh, events that have fed the truther community for years, and I think JFK is clearly one of them. And nine eleven, like I can't see, is there anything that big in the last like fifty years that you can point to? Because I think those two, it's, that's like the one-two punch. If yeah. you're a ufologist or someone deep in this shit, and you've seen both of those, you, that's uh, that's a death. Yeah, that's a death stroke. I think I, like it's hard to tell because we're in the middle of it. But like Trump's election, just at, from a conspiracy standpoint, has been oh like, yeah, like three or four nine elevens. Yeah, <laughs> One thing I, I'm interested in is um, is the sort of the uh, elements of spirituality in the UFO community, uh, because it's usually uh, like a lot of like UFO sort of, uh, I guess, you know, uh, researchers. It's not just sort of like a strictly sort of scientific sort of thing. It's like they're interested in this sort of this you know, grand cosmic sort of, uh, uh, ideas about like our place in the universe. And they're really into sort of like meditation and stuff. Did you ever like encounter any of that? Uh, there were, there were some people like that. Yeah. yeah like, like Jim was mostly like, here is the, the concrete list of sightings. Here's the list of the lights. Okay. Here's the list of, you know, gotcha. cigar shaped crafts. Here's the triangle shaped craft. There's been, you know, any number of UFO religions. There's like the Raelians. Yeah. Subgenius was, you know, that's a, that's kind of a joke one, but there's UFOs involved. Oh yeah, Heaven's Gate. That was a UFO religion. That's true. Yeah, they did have. Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. Christianity meets aliens. But it, it does feel like there's that those two kind of wings, right? There's like the military wing and there's the New Age wing, right? Yeah. They're both approaching the same thing from different perspectives. It's the same with QAnon. There's, yeah. you know, there's the proofs, there's the evidence, and then there's the Jesus is doing this. Yeah. And the JFK is risen. Yeah. It would, uh, well, yeah. the JFK is risen. That's like an intersection. <laughs> yeah. Is those people have their evidence? They're, they have their evidence. Yeah. Vincent Fusca. <laughs> he is JFK Jr. By the way. Oh, for sure. Course, yeah, yeah, no, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the side by side photographs. So. Yeah. That shit is fascinating to me. It's all these like kind of older witted women from the Northeast. Oh, yeah. Convinced that, uh, you know, Johnny Boy is, is back from the dead. Is It was always, always, always older women who are thoroughly convinced that JFK Jr. lives. But but I, I'm telling you, like, they, they're they like, you know, I missed my I missed my shot. But now that there's this guy, he has this beautiful van. He's got <laughs> photos of Trump all around it. <laughs> Yeah, I could live in that van, but like <laughs> JFK Jr.'s death was like it was a nine eleven to them. It was like it was a, a huge, yeah, kind of tragic event that is to them unexplainable. So they have to figure out some sort of uh, yeah, you know, they have their, they have yeah. their stack of George magazines, 
and oh, yeah. you know, and their memories, but that's about it. Uh, those aren't memories, sir. He is still alive. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, memories of how he used to look. Cause I got to say that if, if you fuck Vincent Fusca, I don't know. I don't feel like you're fucking as much of a dime as <laughs> I feel like they think he's going to pull off like the mission impossible realistic mask and he's going to be just as handsome. Amazing. As yeah. yeah. Right before he comes, he pulls off his Fusca <laughs> mask. <laughs> Oh, yeah. One of the best stories is uh, the r himself, Vincent Fusca, sold uh, one of our listeners who was at CPAC uh, a hat. And he said 30 and she got out the money and he's like, it's 40. And she's like, I'm pretty sure you said 30. And he's like, nope, it's 40. (laughs) 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 She she got grifted by Fusca, which I love the idea that JFK Jr. is out there (laughs) selling $40 hats like a carny. (laughs) He's just fallen so far. (laughs) Yeah, like this guy is born into... He needs his 10 bucks. Born to wealth. He's out uh, hustling for an extra 10 bucks. ripping people off for 10 extra bucks. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the idea of someone vastly wealthy and and you know surrounded by beautiful people but just can't help themselves like that's all they want to do really is like sell like sausages out there with trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> um sausages out the cumberbund. That's right. Okay. Uh so do you you said you had some stories about uh, ufologists in, in general like you know I mean, I guess before we go into that, can you kind of give us an overview of what your beliefs or doubts are for oh, aliens? I, I've never seen a UFO. I've not, like, I'm agnostic as to whether there is intelligent life. I'm kind of assuming that, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm more into kind of the idea of it and the visual representation of it. You know, insofar as photography has gone since the 50s, yeah, the mythology around it, I think, is fascinating. But as far as being like a personal believer in it, I, I, I can't really say that I am. So that's interesting. So you're kind of you're interested in the aesthetic. You're interested in in the mythos and and the maybe even the minds of the people studying it. it would that be accurate, you think? Sure. Yeah. And kind of as as a marker or, or you know, as a stand in for. A modern concept of the uncanny it's a it's a useful symbol i think yeah absolutely and I, that's a recurring symbol in your work as well um the kind of shape of the the saucer uh, can you tell me like how that came to be and you have a series uh of, of oh yeah well called it's, ufo uh it's sort of a loose series yeah it's it's something i've been yeah i've been making that work for a long time now it's uh yeah, these are project like what I call media projections. It's multiple slide projectors, you know, law, small scale collages projected large, then photographed, uh, like a long exposure. Is every part of that analog? So are you kind of um, projecting? The final, yeah, everything's analog up to the final step when I do a long exposure digital photograph of like the ensuing projection. But right. everything is, you know analog up until that point yeah well before you explain how the the saucers came to exist in your work i definitely want to recommend to the listener to go check out your website um oh, thank you oliver leach l-e-a-c-h.com there's a lot of really cool stuff i, I really like your work genuinely i mean oh, thank you boys yeah normally i just lie to somebody but in this case <laughs> not so well i appreciate it thank you boys i've been doing kind of arty farty shit you know, going through art school, trying to make work. And I finally decided to just start making stuff, 
work about what actually interested me, which is, you know, UFOs and ghosts and like eviscerations and like the abject and creepy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And just entertain myself instead of trying to entertain somebody else. Did you have any stories about a ufologist other than uh, our man, Jim Mars, that you wanted to talk about? Oh, yeah. There was this guy, Reggie. I forget his last name. I don't even know if he told me, but, you know, Jim said, you got to meet this guy, Reggie. He's got a buddy you you also have to meet. This is wild. This is fucking wild. You got to meet this guy. So I said, sure. And I met this weird little guy and he said, all right, hey, uh, you should meet my friend here. And he's with this kind of tall guy who's really uh, sunburnt and weird looking. And so I met him and shook both their hands. And then Jim comes up to me and he gets real close. And he says, that guy with him, he was a clone. Wow. Was a clone? He was a clone. Like, he was like a military aircraft. Uh, he was a clone they made to fly UFOs or some shit like that. Nice. Yeah. He's very sunburnt. Maybe that was like a, <laughs> that was a throw yeah. him. I well, guess. much like Icarus, a little too close to the sun. Uh, people right, should definitely dude. visit your website, OliverLeach.com, L-E-A-C-H, and they can go follow you at B-A-K. And then how many O's are there? Oh, I have to look it up. I have to look it up. Every, let me see. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> Really? B-A-K-K-O-O-O-N-N. So two K's, three O's, two N's. Somebody said, hey, that's, that's kind of hard to uh, remember. That's not good for the uh, yeah the SEO. And I said, that's not my problem. That's right. It's not, it's not my problem. It's not. Right. You're a dog in a sweater. Like, what do you care? Thanks so much, Oliver, for joining us. Have Thank you, day. boys. Have a good one. This has been the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Our goal is to become a self-sustaining show. We want to have the time to do video, streaming, live shows, etc. That won't happen unless we're able to put together the equivalent of a couple of salaries. You can help us by going to patreon.com slash Anonymous and subscribing for just five bucks a month. You won't just be supporting us, you'll also get access to a dank stash of premium episodes. Right now there's 20 of them actually. This week will be the 20th. Plus you'll get a new one every single week. Thank you so much. Our Twitters are at QAnon Anonymous, at Travis underscore View, at Julian Field, that's F-E-E-L-D, and at Real Rockatansky for our beautiful boy who's missing this week. We send you our love and, you know, hope that uh, the passing over has gone well. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. All right, this is Will and... This will be something more than a QAnon on update. Um, today is September 21st, and uh, a lot of big information from Q all day, and um, various things uh, being dropped on 8chan. Some Podesta emails were reviewed again, and in them, it's clear that there's a discussion of uh, aliens, and that basically that they're trading us zero-point energy, technology, quantum, if you will, quantum technology, zero-point technology, and that's only on the K 
case that we do not, as the human race, put violence into space. And I'm not sure if it's in space or, you know, and um, so I'll sign off for now and see if I can get this uploaded. Namaste.